this is where Canucks conversation lives. With our first selection, we select from Tamra Elias Peterson. For fans, by fans. Quinn Hughes, Jake Vertanen. That speed, that power, those hands. The SCT Podcast, brought to you by Four Seasons Disposal. Here are your hosts, Tanbirana and Nam Man. Here's Bertan in front, scores! Batted in on the back door by Adam Gaudet, his first NHL goal, and it's 1-0. Thanks everybody for joining us, SCT. Uh, it's our episode number six here. Uh, the special episode, we got a special guest, former Vancouver Canuck, Anson Carter. More on that later. Uh, a couple of the other topics we're going to talk about here. Canucks uh, lose three of four. Road trip is over. Uh, Gold, Goldie starting to heat up. Uh, and Derek Pouliot is the NHL defenseman. I'm Nam Mahan. This is Tan Virana. Let's get with it. The topic number one, Tambir, our road trip is over, six-gamer, or, or sorry, a, a quick California trip. Now we're about to start a five-game homestand here coming. Yeah. Thoughts on the road trip? Uh, I was hoping they'd go 2-1-1. One, one. Yeah, yeah. They're beatable teams. Uh, Anaheim, Anaheim was, was yeah. one. And it was close. Uh, it was close, but yeah, uh, Anaheim was one. Uh, sounds like a game you sort of expected at L. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, they found a way to get a win in L.A., so that was encouraging. Yeah. And great performances by certain people. Um, and, yeah. Uh, Namely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say that for later. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, it was uh, one and two. And now I'm just happy that they're going back home. They got a couple of days off. This is the first time they've had two-day rest. And I don't know how long. Yeah. So I'm excited that Brock Besser might be back. And I think he will be back tomorrow. Yeah, sounds ex- like he's I'm ex- close. I'm ex- yeah. I think he will be back tomorrow. And Edler came back. And as soon as Edler gets back... They won a game. Yeah, and he is, arguably speaking, their number yeah. one defenseman. So I'm excited to see what happens on this homestand, and it would be awesome if they could put some wins together, maybe win four or five or win five in a row, or even win three of three five. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, just, go over five, just go over 500 on the uh, on the homestand, string together some wins, and, you know. I think what's encouraging about this California trip was that, again, I mean, here's a team that's kind of got their backs against the wall. Like, that L.A. game, to me, was awesome. And I, what I really loved about it is they could have easily milled in. What a ridiculous schedule. You go to Anaheim, then you fly into San Jose, and you play a back-to-back where you're going back to L.A. to play that second night. You know, and, and this is, what, third third game in four nights. Like, that is just a completely that ridiculous. That rarely happens. They're How rarely, stupid of a re- schedule They is usually that do is. the back-to-back in L.A. In, and Anaheim. In L.A. and Anaheim. And that makes sense. And they go to San Jose. Then they go to San Jose. The road trip, right? Exactly. But they've been like, <laughs> how stupid is that? The they they could have easily milled it in. They could have easily said, "Screw it, we've lost eight in a row." Yeah. You know, like it's just not you know happening for us. We've got a, had a bunch of injuries. We're tired. We're fatigued. But these guys completely, you know, what a gut check performance. And and I, for me, like one of my um, one of the things I love the most about that LA game was was Pedersen. Like again, you know, we've kind of gotten used to watching him, you know, razzle-dazzle a lot and, and, and you know, really just be putting up all, all, all kinds of scoring chances. He didn't 
have a I tremendous know. amount, but when he needed to come, he was pretty quiet. For Pedersen, yeah. you know, I mean, you could easily make the case. Yeah. Though, right? <laughs> he got two points, including the game-winning goal. And that Calder conversation <laughs> is starting to look a little closer because Rasmus Dahl is starting Dahl to play better. Beast. And Buffalo's in the playoffs. They won nine straight. So, Absolutely. You know, people could say that Pedersen's already won the Calder. I, I would, you know, I would go against that. I don't know. I think if there's anybody who's going to, you know, give him a run for his money and I think even at the start of the year we would have said Brady that Dalton. is up there too. Brady could oh wow. Yeah, Brady, I mean, he has been absolutely yeah, been phenomenal. Awesome too, yeah. Um I think Pedersen would be the guy that would be leading that no. three horse race Remember there. Remember last year, everybody thought Keller was going to win it, and then Barzell and Absolutely. Besser just came out of nowhere and, just, and they just kept you yeah, know, lighting no. up. We're still, you know, relatively early in the year. We're what just kind of getting past like the the twenty five percent mark here. Um, so, in in all things considered, yeah, it's it's good that Pedersen's going to have a little competition. Hopefully, that yeah, you know <laughs> keeps the keeps the fire you know Literally, burning for him yeah. um but yeah it's uh, I, i'm happy to see it, you know what's happening in in buffalo and, oh, yeah. and and part of it is you know as a canucks fan i think you know we're going through that crap you know shitty period and when you see another organization who went through similar you know garbage like you know we are currently going through and you see them kind of starting to peek their head out we've had it better but yeah they have been they've had they were bad i mean they they've been bad, bad for a yeah. while and i mean for, they've been yeah. you know a completely you they're know they're finally I mean, starting to come out of it now finally starting to come out of it now yeah. they got lucky they finally won that lottery after finishing dead last uh, you know multiple they tried years and, and they out. tried they tried tanking they couldn't didn't really work did. out for well jack i mean they got they got a jack eichel yeah, exactly. it could be worse it could have been dylan strome yeah, yeah. right uh which you know who also got traded what do you think about that trade the dylan strome trade give me your thoughts on that one yeah, the big I, chicago uh, just for our fans it was strome perilini yeah uh for small smolch yes yeah. so so that like i'm not gonna act like an expert like i know these players because yeah. like uh, like i've I don't watch Arizona Coyote games, not going to lie, right? Of course, yeah. You look at the numbers, Dylan Strom, not impressive for his third overall pick. And AHL's really, been fantastic. Yeah, but in a, in a deep draft like yeah. that one, like that oh, might that's... be one of the best drafts since 03. Yeah. And you can even make the argument it might end up even being better than 03. Like, you look at oh, the guys that... in that draft, Sick. oh, my God. And he went third overall in the he most deepest so, yeah. draft in so long. Arguably speaking, like, of yeah. all time. I mean, like, honestly. Legit, like, let's talk like, about this draft. You got Marner in there. You got Connor yeah. in there. You got Besser in there. Yep. You got, uh, obviously, McDavid in there. Yep. You got Noah Hannafin in there. Hannafin, yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. you got you got a lot of good... Like There was a list on Twitter I saw. I was like, damn, this is some good fucking yep. hockey player in this draft. Uh, absolutely. And Dylan Strong went third overall, and he has not performed. Yeah, he's only 21, and he still might be able to turn his career around. He got compared to uh, Ryan Getzloff when he got drafted. Yeah, that so was a comparison. he's supposed to be a, a franchise center. And like people that are tankists... There's a possibility you could get a Dylan Strom in the draft. You could get, you know, like, you could get a Dylan Strom. You could get a, a what's his name? Um, we were talking about last week as well. Um, oh, uh, for Calgary, Sam Bennett. Yeah, Sam Bennett in the draft, yeah. exactly. So you could get, you could you could tank and then, you know, end up with not the best player or a great player. You, could, you know, the better players might have gone after, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm not a big, like, I, like, I don't know, like, I know his numbers aren't that well. That good. I know uh, Perlini was like a 13th pick overall or 12th pick overall. I think it was 14th yeah, or okay. so. And okay. that, I think it was yeah, some 12th, 13th in that 2014. Yeah. And then, so that's another first rounder. Yeah. So Chicago, we already know what Chicago's trying to do. They're trying to get that chemistry with Debrinkat and Strom going again. They're trying to go for the higher upside. But they gave up a guy that got 50-something points last year. 
again playing with Patty Kane, yep. right? So that that might have been a uh, a little bit of a stat booster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think Chicago wins this trade. I I love what Chicago did. I, yeah. I I'm, I'm not sure like what the upside is in Schmoltz. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be more than like a second line center. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think this has the potential to be a complete steal. Uh, obviously, you know the big big name there is Strom, right? If, if Dylan Strom can get it together, he's got the potential. His brother and he's was done a high well. pick too, and his brother hasn't lived up to the hype. No brother, that entire family actually—they yeah. had another brother too. Remember uh, what's his name? Uh, Griffin Reinhardt. Griffin, yeah, just like Sa- the Reinhardt family. Well, Sam sort of lived up to the hype. He Sam's been, been okay. crazy. He hasn't been, but he has been. Yeah. He's a good player. He's still he's young. 50, he's still very young. Fifty, maybe even a sixty-point center. Yeah. And I remember me and you had a conversation yeah. about Sam Bennett before. Yep. And uh, how I was really high on him, and I still think he has a lot of potential. He's still really young. I think he, uh, not Sam Bennett, sorry, Sam, Sam Reinhardt. Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. Reinhardt. And yeah. I think he's a good player, but um, for, a, what is this, second overall pick? Or the he was a second overall pick in 2014. Yeah, and that the draft Jake, is, Jake Verdanen draft. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. draft is weird, but yeah. Um, again, that, that was an odd draft. because uh, I think Sam Reinhardt's a good player. I think, but Griffin Reinhardt had a no, little up to type. I think Griffin's a bust, yeah, right? Like Griffin has side, been a... Yeah, a lot of stories about that family too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah Tambry's got the real inside knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. All right, so tell me about Goldie. What are you What are you seeing here? Because I think, um, to me, his development has been something um, much needed, especially you know as we talk about on the wing, and we've mentioned this many times before um, that perhaps a guy like Goldie he can develop, and maybe that makes a guy like Barchi. Um, you know, freeze him up for a trade to perhaps you know bring in a defenseman, um, and obviously we need we're going to need help. Besser's not going to be able to handle the wing on his own, and, and Vertanen is doing well on the right side and the left side. You def- you definitely need a little something going on there. So, what are your thoughts on Goldie? Oh, I love Goldie, man. I really I, I love the way this guy plays with the puck. Yeah, with the, without the puck, he's questionable. But I've seen him work hard enough in yeah. battles and come back and back check. And even forecheck, the way he's been forechecking this year has been way different than the past years. Like, you could see the difference. Like, let's be honest. You see the difference. I see the difference. And there's haters out there that just don't want to admit it. You know, there's people that have already made up made up their opinion that Goldie sucks and he's not going to work on the NHL, blah, blah, this, that. And they just rip him for every little thing that he does, right? Yeah. And I think Goldobin has the potential to be a solid second-line left-winger. Yeah. And if you could get something out of Jonathan Dolan... You have your two left wingers Ooh, set up huge, going forward, right? And, and you got your two up top, top two centers set up. Yeah, but you're missing that one right right winger. And let's talk about that right wing spot because you got Besser. Yeah, I think he obviously is going to be a solid right winger. Either plays with Patterson or Horvat. If you could like this year's draft is really interesting. You could go into the draft and you act, you could actually pick the best player available. You don't have to take a defenseman. No, you you, you don't have to. You could take even a setter. Yeah. you could even transfer like Team Canada. When you're picking an Olympic team, they're taking so many centers that they end up playing the wing anyway. So, like, yeah. even if you do take a set, let's say you do, like, I'm not going to say they're going to get Jack Hughes, but let's say they get, like, a Cozens or something like that, right? Yeah. You don't know. You could transfer them to the wing. You could even put Pedersen on the wing. You could work that stuff out, right? Yeah. This is the first draft in a while the Canucks could actually take the best player available. And that one guy that I have, like, other than Jack Hughes, the one guy that I want really bad is Kako. Now, oh. if you could get Kako and you could get Besser and Kako on your right side, holy smokes! Oh, I know I'm not a tankist, 
Holy <laughs> I know smokes. I'm not a tanker. Hey, hey, you can. I mean, you just got to win a lottery. Yeah, you, you got to win yeah. one of those picks, right? I mean, right. you're probably not going to get him Cackle a third. It could be a stud. Like you know, he could top be two pick. Yeah. legit. Like I hope he doesn't have any problems off the ice, yeah. <laughs> like fully yeah. RV. Yeah. But you know, like. Well, a lot of people are saying something, you know, similar to they got. The, he's got a little bit of the Patrick Line type, and of they're feel. called Kevin Barkov and Line. Like those yeah. are two, two of the best finished players six in the league right prospects now. Prospects from. From, just from imagine Cashel and Pedersen on the same line, and then you could put just roll out Bowen Besser on the second line. Just and you mentioned um, Team Canada. Brian Burke had a pretty cool, interesting way of, of saying of how he built his team USA teams, and he knew that on paper Team Canada is going to destroy the United States every time. Yeah. So he didn't try and choose the best American players. He they, he got ripped for uh, leaving a lot of players off of his American team. But what he did was he chose better third and fourth line players in the NHL to play that role. So when, when Team Canada was playing a, a top six winger on their fourth line, the fourth liner who played that in the NHL was still able to do his job better than Canada's player. Yeah. And that's how America was so successful in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So Canada, so Vancouver, I guess Not you can apply that same sort of thing to the <laughs> Not NHL. Not good enough. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Canada still ended up winning many games. That was so, an unbelievable uh, yeah. game, though. Like, yeah. I go back to 2010. I was a kid, like grade, yeah. grade 10, grade 11. And that might have been one of the greatest hockey games I have ever witnessed in my life. I, it was I would such say a that was high my, speed. Yeah. Just imagine now. For me, if for they sure. Went, if they went that's now, the highlight. If they went now, Canada, USA now yeah. would be incredible. Like It would be must-watch television, not just in Canada and in the United States. I'm talking all around the fucking world. Like That game, the high, the, what's the game it is now, it was the speed and the skill. Canada, USA has the two best. Like they are incredible. Like I think that would be so fun. I to think watch. we're we're gonna see NHL players uh, at the twenty twenty two Olympics, yeah. and I think it's gonna be phenomenal because <laughs> I do incredible. think the U.S. has come a long Austin way. Austin Matthews versus you know Connor it's gonna McDavid. be like it's gonna be sick. There's gonna be Jack oh Eichel, Austin Matthews, and then you know we also have Jack Hughes. Yeah. You know, and and potentially Americans even coming, Quinn Hughes. Man. They're coming. You know, and they got Seth Jones on the back end. You know, Wierenski. They, they might have even the goal. You know, so you never, they, you know, it's like, one of those. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna be. You know, that's gonna be fun Gibson to watch. Gibson would them. be the goalie, right? I believe yeah, Gibson. Uh, he's American. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah, he is American. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if that's yeah, going to be, good be game. something that really now now to watch. USA can match that bottom six skill. I think I think they could legit have like top they've, six players playing in their bottom six. Yeah, they have come a long way. Absolutely, and another really really great player, a former Canuck. Let's get right into this interview here uh, with Anson Carter. And once again, just want to say a big thank you to Anson. Um, for making some time with us, uh, he got a, we got a chance to sit down with him. It was uh, Ryan, our producer, and Tanbir Yu, and so let's play that interview. Ryan Lee Hall and Tanbirana here from the SCT Show. We're now joined by Anson Carter, analyst for MSG Network and NBC, and a former Vancouver Canuck. Anson, how's it going? I'm doing well. How you doing? Very good, very good. Uh, we wanted to talk to you about exactly, I guess, what's the pressure like playing in a market like Vancouver where like the fans and the media members can really get on you? Like It must take a toll on players, especially uh, dealing with all that stress over an 82-game season. Does that really impact on-ice performance? It can. I mean, the, the thing about playing in Vancouver, any Canadian city, is there's no place to hide. And myself, personally, I loved it because I felt like other markets, you could take a night off here, a night off there, and nobody's ever going to care. Uh, but there in Vancouver, or I played in Edmonton too, 
um, you take a practice off and then you hear about it. And I think that really forces you to be your best 24 seven. So I know some players in the league don't like to have that kind of focus on them all the time. They'd rather play in other markets where you have like maybe two writers in the scrum after practice or after games and you don't really have 13, 14, 15, you know, people looking to have a comment after the game. But myself personally, I loved it because I felt like it forced you to take your game to a different level. Um, it's Tad Beer here. Um, how was it compared to uh, New York and Boston, the American market? So you talked about Edmonton a little bit and Vancouver. How was it compared to the American markets like New York and Boston? It's, it's pretty similar. I think in Canada it's a little bit more intense. New York and Boston are big American markets, the original six cities. So you're going to get that same kind of attention um, here in these cities from the media. But I, I think it's, it's amplified there in Canada because it's not just the media that's paying attention. It's your average fan. There, there, there's more average fans that love hockey uh, there in Vancouver than you'll see like, in, in places like Boston and, and in Vancouver. So there, there's still the like, same kind of pressure that you have. But I feel like it's because it's Canada's game. People are way more intense there. So it's, it, you get the, the ISO. I call it the ISO cam or the microscope. You have that on you a lot more. Now, just speaking about your time here in uh, Vancouver, you actually played with uh, a couple of the Swedish guys that were kind of still on the rise as well. Uh, did you get a sense of exactly how those two guys maybe handled that pressure of being kind of the heir to the throne after guys like, you know, Naslund and Morrison kind of left? And uh, how does that compare to maybe what uh, Elias Pettersson might be feeling right now? Yeah, I don't know Pettersson right now. Um, I know Daniel and Hank, and I just knew what their personality was like when I, when I got there. And I actually was able to do some recon before I got there. My agent, Pat Brisson, um had represented them and, um, and JP Barry too. And, and Breeza told me, it's like, listen, Vancouver, they got two young kids. Uh, they, they, they could be pretty good hockey players. Um, but when you come and play with them, they're, they're pretty skilled, but they haven't really broken out of their shell yet. And I, I took that as a great opportunity to, to ask them. I was like, well, the first thing I need to know is, do they work hard? Because I played with Mike York at Michigan State. I played with Mike Comrie at Edmonton. I played with Joe Thornton in Boston. So I knew I could work well with these younger players and relate to those guys. And all my agent said was, yes, they work hard. And that's all I needed to know. I, I didn't have to know anything else about them. When I met them, I could tell from their personalities that uh, they were shy. They hadn't come out of their shell yet. I know Mark Crawford used them as a, kind of like the whipping boys. He'd always yell at our line because he, he couldn't really yell at the West Coast Express. And when I first got there, I noticed it really had an impact on Danny and Hank because, you know, everything they did in practice, if they missed the net, Crow was yelling at them. <laughs> but the West Coast Express would miss the net and Crow wouldn't say a word to those guys. So I, I figured out really quick early in that, that season there, I was like, hey, Danny, Hank, listen, I played for Pat Burns, okay? They don't get much tougher than Burnsy, but there was always a message behind it. And I said to them, he can't yell, Crawford can't yell at the West Coast Express for whatever reason, and he won't yell at those guys. But he's going to yell at them through yelling at us. <laughs> and I said, so if you, if, if you, if you take it personally, it's going to affect your game. But if you think, you know, if you miss a net and he's yelling at you guys, he's really not. He's really yelling at those guys to get their game together, but he can't yell at those guys. And Danny and Hank's game, they really it took off from there. It was great to see. They're, they're great, 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 great blossoms of great hockey players. Anson, was your short tar tar uh, time there in uh, Vancouver, was it uh, hard to tell them apart? Did you, get, did you find a way to tell them apart? No, I can tell them apart. I grew up with two twins, Jojo and Brian, I went to high school with in Toronto. So I'm actually pretty good with telling twins apart. <laughs> and awesome. I, I knew right away, just from the facial features, they looked totally different. And, and I could definitely tell on the ice uh, who was who. I, I knew if Hank had the puck, 
make sure I got my stick open. And if Daniel got the puck, make sure I went to the net hard because he was looking to shoot. So I figured out their tendencies pretty quickly when I first got there. Hank had the bigger head, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe after you won the MVP, but Daniel won it right after that, so his head was the same. <laughs> so um, who are your favorite young players to watch in the game right now? Like, who would you say that you have the most uh, fun watching? Well, there in your market there, you've got some pretty good ones. You've got Elias Patterson. Um, you've got Brock Besser. You've got a good one coming in the, in the pipeline, Quinn Hughes, who I, I cover college hockey with NBC Sports um, also, and I watched him last year, and I'm going to see him again this year at the University of Michigan. You know, I'm a Michigan State Spartan, so we don't usually pump Wolverines tires very often because that's our arch rival, but this kid's a good one. He skates the puck very well. He skates the puck out of pressure, good first pass. Um, I really enjoy watching him play. And, you know, the Connor McDavid, the Austin Matthews of the world, I love watching them, uh, the Braden Points. Uh, any of these, these young kids that are coming to the league that have the skill set that they're able to step in right away because now, you know, with the salary cap in place, it's become a younger league. So it's allowing kids an opportunity to come in and compete right away and, you know, do some things that they couldn't do in previous years. Before, young players are afraid to, to make plays offensively because they thought they'd get sent down or scratched or waved, but these teams need to have young players in the lineup. So that gives young players a lot more freedom to come in and, and play their game and feel more comfortable a lot faster. Speaking of a lot of those young players now really breaking into the NHL right away, what do you think of the uh, new pace and the speed that this does uh, bring to the game? Do you think that you yourself maybe could have found some uh, success in uh, today's league? Yeah, I, I always tell myself I came in the wrong time. <laughs> I wish I would have came in the league now as being a bigger, stronger guy that could also skate up and down the ice. is perfect. And also being a net front present guy too, now guys don't get touched. You know, you'd always have like three or four ice bags on your arms and your shoulders and your lower back after staying in front of that in the power play because you get hacked and whacked and get beaten up all the time. Now you can't put a stick in guys in the front of the net. So if you're able to establish position early and box guys out, uh, you could score a ton of goals in the league now. So I, I love it. And I love there's a lot more skill involved because now you can't hook and hold. You, you can't water ski. You can't put a stick in the guy's side and, and have the guy drag you down the ice for 200 feet on the back check. So it allows the guys to play more. Now you see more of a pure game, whereas before you got jumbled up in the neutral zone. It wasn't very much fun to play. Now, uh, speaking of also uh, today's NHL, what's uh, what do you think about the importance of role players? As I know here in Vancouver, they were really uh, on about uh, creating that culture, about creating a safe environment for, I guess, young players to come through. And as like the game has changed, you can't really hack and whack anymore. Do you still think that those importance of those role players, good guys in the dressing room, still really makes an impact in uh, today's league? You do, because regardless of what skill set you have, young players still need to be taught how to become pros. Uh, that's very important. And, and your teaching and your leadership doesn't really come from the coaching staff. I mean, your coaching staff will teach you X and O's and they'll get you motivated, but your best teaching takes place in the dressing room. Your best teaching takes place on the bench next to the guy next to you. With a, a guy that has experience that, that's played and has had some success or has been around for a while, letting you know, hey, you haven't even trying this. Well, why don't you try this? Or maybe this is better for your career. Or this this added longevity to my career. Like all those little bits and pieces of information that older players could pass on or role players could pass on to a younger player is, is so beneficial. And with, with role players too, the game doesn't come as easy to, as it does for a skilled player. So a, a role player could give you that you know little bit of information because you know he's working his butt off. It's not coming from a position of laziness. It's coming from a guy that has to work to compete to keep his job in the National Hockey League. So you're going to respect him even more. And just uh, lastly here, Anson, uh, what was your maybe your favorite memory of your hockey career? Does it have something to do with the World Championships? 
Um, I guess that's one of them. You know, it, it's it's weird. I, I really don't have one favorite memory. I mean, that's, I guess, probably what I'm most known for, I guess, in Canada, is scoring that overtime winning goal. Um, but I was forced up to, to play on three teams with Team Canada and win gold, World Junior Championships in 94, then in 97 with the men's, and then again, I believe, in 2003. Um, but I just, it, it, it's all a blur. I just love, my favorite moments are just being around my teammates. And it's not even the games. It's not the scoring goals. It's just being in the dressing room, hanging out with the boys after practice. It was honestly my most fun time being a hockey player because nothing else mattered. You know, you weren't, you'd have to rush off to class to go to school. I didn't have a family at the time, so I was in no rush to go home anywhere. So I enjoyed just taking off my shoulder pads, uh, loosening up my skates, and just hanging around with the guys and just, you know, doing the dumb stuff that hockey players do in the dressing room. And the ways we kind of entertain ourselves is, you know, was priceless. Anson, I just want to thank you for uh, doing this. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Wow, that was great. Thank you so much for once again, Anson Carter, making time for us. Um, special, special guest. Love watching him on the Sedin's wing there. Uh, what do you think? It was a great interview, man. Like uh, He was awesome. Uh, gave us some insight about Quinn Hughes and what he thinks he could be uh, in the future. How cool was um, that? That was awesome. Um, him talking about a Sedin story with Mark Crawford. That was that was awesome too. Uh, you know, it's really nice of him to do that, and I'm surprised you could actually tell the Sedins apart only playing one year here. Like yeah. he, like I asked him that question, and like I was just like, I was sort of shocked that he could tell them apart, and yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because like, you know, he he gelled very well with them, and arguably speaking, um, perhaps other than Burroughs was second best. You know, you would say second best, yeah, right? Other than Burroughs. Burroughs was probably the, the best he fit. He was the best But fit. how much of that was also the Sedins playing at a level? Yeah, a higher level. At the highest, you know, that, that was the peak of their career. With Anson, they were like 70 they points. They were starting, 70, to, get starting there, to get there, right? It was, well, it was kind of the Burroughs, breakout. They were 100 points. They were there. Yeah, they were so there, yeah. how much of that is it's kind of that chicken and egg thing? Yeah. Was it really Burroughs who was also helping them? It would have been or interesting way, if they did resign him, though. It would have been so interesting if they yeah, were able they to get him signed. Because he was that first great fit with mm-hmm. the Sedins. Yeah. Um, so w- once again, big shout out to Anson Carter. Thank you so much for making time for us. Yeah. Um, so as we get back uh, right on our, our, our schedule, uh, let's get into NAM stats. we got a really special one and I'm, it's one that I'm excited about. NAM stats. So my NAM stat of the week is something really simple, but I think it's huge, it's meaningful. I touched on this last week, and I do believe that this is kind of a big thing, and I'm really hopeful that we'll continue to see better and better things as the season goes on. My NAM stat is just simple. It's two. That's number of games that Thatcher Demko has played and the number of wins that Thatcher Demko has and the number of times that Thatcher Demko has been a top three star. In fact, he was number two in game one and he was number one in this last game. I felt like his injury was the biggest. And hey, we've had a lot of injuries this year. We've had Besser go down. Olevi has gone down right now. Uh, Yeah, Pedersen as well. But I felt like in terms of, you know, the development or where we want to be, his injury was huge. I mean, Losing him, especially considering like how our goaltending has fared over the last month, we've had so many people say, "Oh, we had to go after Brovsky." We've had people saying, "Oh, we got to trade for a veteran goalie." And it's to me, it was almost like, "Wait, did everybody just forget that we have a Thatcher Demko in the system?" Mm-hmm. You know, and it almost kind of feels like 
Uh, his preseason was kind of sucky, right? He, you know, I think we all kind of thought that maybe he was going to push for that backup spot, and he didn't look so well. Um, and then, unfortunately, he ends up with that concussion, and he's out, and it was almost sort of like we all forgot about him. But him coming back, and he's putting up numbers that, you know, the rest of the other goalies there yeah, just no, no. can't even come close to. His save percentage in those two games was about 918, and all the other goalies, I mean, the high, the best save percentage is is the Russian goalie that we have in their system, and his save percentage was 892. <laughs> yeah. so right? a That's a huge difference. Yeah. And it just feels like finally Utica's got their mojo back, right? They've three won in three row. in a row now. Yeah. You know, and others are starting to play well. Yeah. Jonathan Darlene. Does he? Right? Does Levy injury that we haven't even talked about that well, might Levy be injury. concerning? Yeah, he's he's apparently flying Today. back to Vancouver yeah. once get looked at. What what are your thoughts on that, by the way, about them flying Olevi back into Vancouver? Good thing, bad thing. What did uh, I say about I heard some Utica? Stuff, uh, like not like legit like source or anything, but like. They might be flying him in. Maybe they're thinking he might need surgery. Oh, on, on the knee. Oh, that'd be that'd be terrible. That, but um, that, I don't don't you know? I, don't I quote hope. me on it. Like uh, like that's what like that's just a rumor I heard. And there's no other way, of, other reason why they would fly him in. No. Yeah. Because uh, well, let's be on Jim Benning checking your knee. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Benning. Doctor Benning's Benning. at the forefront here. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm hopeful. Again, fingers crossed. Like what we really don't need. Our prospects getting because injured. Right? We want really these guys to be man. developing. We want these. These are these are key players, and we need them to be developing and growing for the future. I mean, I think we all know this year. You know, I mean, I know. You know, your team playoffs, mm. and and I'm definitely more on the team tank side. Yeah. Um, but. I think if we, there's one thing we agree on, it's we're team development, oh, yeah, right? Team more than anything else, right? And so we don't want to lose these prime development games. And yeah, lovely injury is a little interesting. Uh, what do you think about the fact that they don't what trust the doctors in Utica that they're bringing in him out here to really get a you know get a closer closer look? I don't know. Like, well, they let's talk about that Demko thing again. They they flew him out to Utica, yeah. and after they got they looked at him in Vancouver, yeah, so, and they flew him out after he said he didn't well, want to fly. And like, it I was know, a doctor Benny said, no, no, what to fly? It was fake outrage a little bit, but then yeah. you see that he got a setback, and I didn't know the setback was gonna be months. Yeah. yeah, like at that time, I was like, you know what, he'll be fine, yeah. and I was thinking optimistically, but then when he misses a. So much time. So much time. So much time. What is it, like six, sort of, six, 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 seven weeks? I don't even, like, it was starting to get... basically been It was affecting Utica for sure. Like, I don't for know how... Sure. Like, it, like, you could just tell they won three straight. They won three straight. Yeah. They're getting their mojo back, confidence yeah. back. Yeah, so, like, I don't know, maybe knee specialists, they're probably better with concussion. Like, over here, they're probably better with you the hope, knees yeah. and with the head. Um, but they, they handled the Pedersen situation fine. Uh, they've, I think a lot they've, of people have said that the Canucks didn't handle the best situation well. Enough. But now I think now they have though. Now they, you think, think, you think they told Doctor Benning to have a seat? <laughs> Let's get a real doctor in here. I think a lot of the times it's the players. Yeah, I think a lot of the times yeah. the players don't want to admit that they're hurt. Like I think yeah. Besser they can wanted play to play through, through it, right? Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the time the players want to play through it. I think Pedersen yeah. wanted to play through his concussion, yeah. but the Canucks were. You know, thinking long term, obviously, which they need to do with these kids, including yeah, exactly. Olevi, right? I mean, yeah. these are guys that we're hoping are going to be part of a championship team yeah. two years, three years down the yeah, line, exactly, yeah. right? These are prized assets, yeah. and right? Hopefully, Olevi's injury is not too bad, and maybe it's just a way of saying he's getting called up. 
I, I mean, don't know. But, to, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about this this injuries thing. Like, I know you mentioned it previously, and, you you know, you said that, you know, you haven't seen injuries this bad. Like, what is it? Like, like it seems like just the injuries are just nonstop. We're getting punished by the hockey gods. The hockey gods are just like, you not, know what? Not, we gave you Pedersen, so now let's fuck with you a little they're bit. They're not just punishing the people that rioted in 2011. <laughs> punishing they're punishing the people that didn't riot like me. And you probably. I, I didn't hope so. No, I did not riot. <laughs> yeah, but I think like I almost feel like we're getting punished for what happened in 2011. The after result of just acting like yeah. stupid fans, and I almost like this is what I like. Bad karma. I actually think that this thing is real. I think karma is a real thing. Yeah. You know, a little bit. And uh, <laughs> I think like I'm not saying that's the reason, but it almost feels like it is because we get injuries. After injury, after but injury. But is it karma or is it something that we're doing? Is it something in our system? Because, you know, one thing they always mentioned about um, defensemen getting hurt is perhaps our system, the way we play it, it just leads to more injuries. Uh, maybe that's part of it. I don't it. think it's the system because uh, coaches have talked about it, players have talked about it. The systems in the NHL are pretty similar. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's adjustments. Like almost every team plays a similar mm-hmm. system, right? There's a, adjustments there by s- certain coaches, but it's it's a similar system to what the what the league is trending towards, right? Like a, a north south game, sort of, you know, like uh, speed and skill and all that stuff. So, like, I think the system isn't the problem. I think it's just uh, maybe overplaying your players. Like, I think maybe like you know how Edler got hurt and Tanev got hurt. Like they were getting over overused, right? Yeah. Like, that's some happened. of these injuries, though, they're just shit luck. Like even the, the, the injury, ones. the barge, the, yeah, the one, right? I mean, like, brutal. like those are just complete. Like, and and bad to be fair luck, to Demko, yeah. yeah, he had a bad preseason. Yeah, but nobody on the Canucks had a good preseason. No, nobody did. You could even look at that. Like Absolutely. nobody, we didn't score goals in the preseason. Like there weren't many saves in the preseason. Yeah. yeah. So you could even look at that and be like, you could. Maybe not overreact to Demko's. Uh, Perhaps it was just really the just a bad team, preseason. Yeah, the entire team was just. But again, shit. a lot of the goals yeah. that he, that got scored on him were. Eh. But again, yeah. small gonna, sample size. I'm not going to judge right? Demko off yeah. preseason. I'm going to judge him off the games he plays in the NHL when he's ready. And the, even in the AHL, I've already I know he's a good AHL goalie. Yeah. You could just tell by the numbers last year and what he did in the playoffs last year. I want to see him put some games together now in the consistently. AHL. Yeah. Keep putting up good numbers. And hopefully by February, March, he comes in and plays some NHL games and he looks ready because next year he has to be up here. Oh, absolutely. And I yeah. think they, you the know, waiver they, too. They, yeah, he's waiver eligible. Yeah. And I think um, at the same time, often with goalies, and I know goalies are kind of voodoo and whatnot, yeah. but generally if they're not ready to go at this age, yeah. then, you know, it is troublesome. And I think for sure what would be the best thing that could happen in Demko's development is that he gets a nice little string of games, yeah. perhaps in the new year. Um, at the NHL level, and looks like okay. Hey, at the very least, he's going to push Markstrom next year, right? Like we need a guy that's going to start taking Who over. Who knows? That maybe neck. Nielsen takes Markstrom's job. Yeah, I honestly yeah. think that that's a possibility because like I've yeah. liked the way Nielsen's played. I know yeah. he lost his. He got a tougher game in San Jose. The San Jose game was yeah. He got a tough game in San Jose. Did yeah. he score empty net or was it all four goals? I think it was all four goals. All on four, him. all four on him. I know, but like he wasn't terrible. But like yeah. again. Again, you got San Jose. Play, sounds like a good team. Power play. So really good. you give him the LA game, he wins that game in my opinion. Yeah. Either way, like you got the worst team in the league. And Markstrom, he hasn't proven anything to me yet. 
So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's again, it's one of those things where part of uh, you know the strategy for a team for someone who's on Team Tank is that. If Demko looks like he's capable of stealing the job next year, then goaltending is something you can fix. So if you're losing games because you have shit goaltending, then Team Tank players and members are going to be happy with that because they feel like they got a solution in-house and they'll be able to get that high draft pick. Yeah, speaking of goaltending, like, you look at what uh, – like I've pointed this out. I've pointed it out to a couple people on Twitter. Uh, you look at the good teams in the league and the goaltending in front, uh, and the defense in front of the goaltending. Like you look at Vasilevsky, you got Hedman, you yeah. got McDonough, you got a good yeah. decor in front of you. And you look at Nashville, they got a good decor in front of you. Great you got to look decor. at you look at Winnipeg, they got a good decor in front of them, right? Yeah. And you look at the teams that are struggling, like New Jersey, like Corey yeah. Schneider has been the same. Like I, I've always, I know he's got a couple injuries and everything. But you look at the defense in front of him. Who does he have other than Will Butcher and? Vatanen's there. Yeah, no, but yeah. they're not like headmen or. You no, know, they don't. They don't you, you, need you need a good decor in front of you. And I think the one thing with Hellebuck and how he's succeeding in Winnipeg is when he was ready to make it that, the, that the jump. To, that jump he to had the a NHL, D that was there. He did struggle. Yeah. But he learned to play uh, behind that D. Yeah. And that's, that's what you need. You need Demko to be ready next year yeah. and not just play like 15, 20 games. I'm talking 30. Maybe even 30, 40, 50. You know, who, who knows? Right? Maybe I mean, take he that job. Run, run with but it. I think 30 games would be huge for him. Next I would year. say minimum. I would I would hope that 30 I games. want him to learn to play behind Quinn Hughes and hopefully yeah. Olio Levy. Nothing serious with him. Yeah. And, you know, everybody else, like Stetcher. And, Absolutely. Um, Speaking of Quinn Hughes, um, you know, again, folks um, that have got those micro stats are just gushing over his zone entries. See the highlights, man? I mean, he, oh he's, toying, he's toying with the folks down at the college level. Even which the coach is just said it. So exciting. The coach is like, uh, he's doing things that he knows he could get away with yeah. in college that he'll know in the NHL that it's going to be tougher to do. So he's playing last man back and he's just toying with these guys four checkers like one-on-one last man back less if you get the puck from me i'll tell you one thing that (laughs) it's exciting for me is the fact that okay he's doing this but he's not doing this against junior players he's still doing this against men men in college so that's pretty exciting i think i think again like you know the potential he's showing the breakout i I think we should he's a break and and what do we need a breakout machine not just that he could pass the puck he could carry the puck obviously and yeah, those yeah. zone exits, zone entries, and the the zone exits and the zone entries, whatever, and, that, yeah. and it's that's huge. huge. That's and so the one huge. thing with him, he's got he's gonna beautiful do beautiful hands. Yeah, beautiful absolutely. I mean, hands. I know there are a lot of people that have said, "Oh, his shot's not strong enough." But I think on a power play that's got Pedersen and Besser, you're fine. He's you a don't, little. He's a you little don't even nasty need that, too, eh? right? And I mean, that power play is also gonna have Horvat too. Like yeah. you, you don't need massive that shot. massive Shea Weber yeah. shot. You don't want to hurt you, your you know, essentially what you need is somebody who's going to be able to man that power play yeah. and he's going to do an excellent job. He's going to set these guys up, line these guys up like right now. And I know you've been liking this guy, but we got Ben Hutton setting setting up Pedersen. Wait until we have Hughes setting up Ben Pedersen. Hutton did a solid job for the short term that he got that first unit power play time. Yeah. Um, now Eller's back, so he's not going to get that. He's not going to get that now. But I just hope they don't replaced Ben Hutton on the second unit with Pouliot. Pools a lot because <laughs> he does shit the bed a lot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, I really hope that uh, Ben Hutton keeps that spot. So before we jump into this Pouliot topic, I just want to uh, remind everybody, listen to the SCT show presented by Four Seasons Disposal. I'm Nam. He's Tan Beer. This is where Connects Conversation lives. 
Pouliot. Oh, Pouliot. goodness gracious. <laughs> goodness gracious. It's, it was so funny when um, when there were folks, when, when, when Benning traded that fourth round draft pick for Pouliot, you know, he had some quotes that, that honestly have not aged well. One of them being, oh, he's a high draft pick player. You have to pay and this and that. And in those handful of games um, that he that he, he got when he first when he first got here, there were a lot of people that were like, "Oh, Benning won this trade. It's a clear slam dunk." Now at this point, you're just like, "Oh, good God!" Like it's not a bad trade though. Fourth, like a, I think at this point, I, I I would take that fourth round draft pick. I'll, I I'll take a fifth. <laughs> Honestly, though, you essentially just traded a, a pick for him because yeah, Pat, I mean the Pat, odds of a fourth round draft pick panning out are really slim. Because Padan hasn't turned out either. Like Padan's not even Padan, in the well, you know, anymore. Padan, Padan, yeah, but. So and I, I, don't think, I don't think I don't think anybody him. had an issue with that, but the fourth round draft yeah. pick, though, still, I mean, what what round was Rathbone drafted in? Yeah, in the fourth, fourth round, round yeah. right? And I mean, you know, we have that knack to be able to well, find. Rathbone could be Puglia. like he could just be. A he could, Puglia, he right? could, but like at this point, you know, I think I don't uh, think it's worth getting angry about. Those. No, I don't think that was yeah. a worth people, one. Like, a lot of people but I think a lot of people, a lot of people felt like. They could have got Pouliot for virtually free on waivers because he was like on the verge. But no, of going some other on team waivers. could have picked him up though. No, I think they the Canu- the- Canucks were the second highest on the waiver wire. I think it was only Colorado that could have. And I don't theory. think Colorado could have taken him. Could have been, but I think at the same time you play a little hardball and yeah. you say I'm only going to give you like a seventh or something like that. See, last year Pouliot wasn't this bad, like. I almost think he's regressed. Yeah, which is crazy to think. Like you're not like supposed to regress. Like I, it seems like Travis Green has given him more rope. Yeah. Than he should be getting. Yeah, I mean that's that's got to be the Portland connection, right? That's got to be Travis Green saying, "I know what I had in you in Portland. I believe in you." Well, him and Stetcher both sat last game, right? Yeah. And I almost feel like Stetcher never got this rope because no, Stetcher. I almost like, like I don't I, even think Stetcher's I'm not gonna bad. bitch about the Stetcher shit because I, I, at the end of the day, I know he's gonna get in again, and I know yeah. he's gonna. He probably will play tomorrow. I mean, that, that must was, have been just a oh, like, we got we want to give Bulldog a game. Not just that. I think that he wanted to send Stetcher a little bit of a message. A message. I think Stetcher will come out harder next game yeah. now because now he's been sad. Like Stetcher's a kind of he's a competitive guy. Yeah. Like he's gonna, and I don't think he had been bad, yeah. but he was. He was playing with Michael Delzato and Derek Pouliot. Those, those are his two. You want to look bad? You play with Michael Delzato uh, and, and Derek, Derek Pouliot. Exactly. Like, I'm surprised what Ben Hunt is doing with Eric Gabranson right now. Like, they're playing yeah. solid. Like, even Gabranson's starting to look like. Gutty good is is pretty much oh Gutty Gutty defenseman yeah Gutty didn't completely shit the bed this game yeah, I know, yeah. so you know oh, so like yay we, we've, right? we've we've got our expectations lower for him now yeah, right we have. but like again you got to choose between Good Branson or Stetcher and obviously you're not gonna scratch this the vet like look what Ooh. look what Montreal's doing with Alzner yeah right Wait, what do you think about that Alzner on waivers so now that's then that's the kind of move I want the Canucks to make I, like I'm not saying. Put Gabranson on waivers, waivers. Oh, he's but that's ballsy that. by the organization. Yeah. You yeah, signed yeah, this guy, Montreal. That's ballsy by the organization to do something like, that. like they pretty much admitted they were like, I know that Dunn was Gagne, but look what Gagne is doing now in the NHL. It yeah. obviously was a wrong choice. Yeah. So um, Alzner, including this year, has four years left. It's about four point six million dollar cap it. I know this got thrown out by Andrew Walker earlier today, hmm. and what he mentioned was. Louis Erickson for Eric, uh, Carl, Carl, Carl Alsner type of deal. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Would you do something like that? 
or just roll the dice with Erickson and I just roll that, the dice with Erickson. I hope that hey, at least he'll I'm give you bottom six minutes on the back end. We're already so bad on the back end. We don't and need like to get even slow. like Erickson. Yeah, he's yeah. not living up to his contract. Yeah. There are little things that he does, right? Like, yeah. like he will kill penalties if he wanted little to. Things there, l- yeah, little exactly. things there, little things, Louis. And like, it's not like he's hurting us in the in our own end or anything. Like, Alzner has the potential of hurting you in your own end. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I don't even care if he makes like a million and a half less. I just don't see yeah. it even benefiting both sides. Like, it's just not even worth it. Not even worth uh, it. I no, I completely agree. I think at this point, um, you, you, what you don't want to do is is make that defense any more slower, especially on a defense with good brands in there. So, like, would you, you know? do this though? Would you maybe get an asset back as well, and then put his uh, contract in the in in the minors. So the one thing that Alzner does have that's an advantage compared to Erickson's contract is it's, it's a little bit buyout better, yeah. right? Buyout friendly, I would say, yeah. relatively speaking. Erickson's contract is virtually buyout proof. Like okay. you, you, if you buy out that contract, the cap hit like still stays at like five million dollars a year. It's almost just like impossible and and not even worthwhile to go out there and buy out. But Eric, uh, but sorry, um. Carl Alsner's contract, though, um, not bad. It's it's something that I think in the second year of that buyout, uh, it would end up being a pretty bad hit. But for the most part, it's it's a lot easier to digest that contract. So if you wanted to do something like that, yeah, and you get an asset back, like Montreal has two second round draft picks. They have a so, lot of picks this draft. You know, I a mean, they have picks. a lot of picks. A scenario like that where you're just like, look, I'm just gonna buy out the guy. Then I could I could jump on board with that scenario. Yeah. I think again it'll be a that's like a much move easier. you would make in the draft maybe because you don't want that on your team. But now. you know one thing I'll say though is is Montreal is not a cheap team. He's also I mean, a left-handed you know? shot. He and and, and, and we already have side, so many left. You know yeah, we have we have sense. depth. But again, if yeah. you could get an asset, maybe if you get an like, asset. Yeah, not even not even worth exploring in my opinion. No, I, I I wouldn't do it for anything less than a second. And again, you know Montreal's not a cheap team. Right? Yeah, they, they'll Montreal, buy them yeah. themselves. Yeah. You know, like they're not the type yeah. of team that would say that oh we can't. Afford. This is not like an Arizona yeah. type of situation. Yeah. Uh, where they would be hesitant to want to lay down that type of uh, money. So, yeah, I, I would probably say, all things considered, it's really not worthwhile for the Canucks to go down that path. Uh, but, you know, hopefully they do keep an open mind to bringing in some bad contract for, like, a second-round draft pick as the deadline nears. Yeah, I want to um, see more picks for sure. Like, I want to see more picks too. Like if there's even if one thing. if they're making the playoffs or whatever, just like get as many picks as you can because you're hosting the draft, right? You're hosting the draft. Yeah. Absolutely. So. I, I, I'm like, if there's one thing that like really, really has frustrated me, it's just the fact the that like I wish we had given Bracket more picks. Yeah. You know, like Madden's looking good. Lockwood is looking mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You know, like even even some of the prospects that we drafted in the later rounds. You know, Utenen is is playing at least in the men's league, yeah. you know, and he's holding his own. Um, so to me, it's, it's sort of unfortunate that we couldn't get these guys more picks. Um, you know, I mean, if there's anything that we need to see more of, we need an army. You you yeah. want to win, you want to compete, you need an army. I and mean, even if you look at the Leafs situation, the Leafs are a team, yeah, like they made a huge signing uh, by getting Tavares, but, you know, they're missing Willie Nylander. And look, they're able to keep their head well above water. And really hey, then they're also missing Matthews, right? It's the depth. 
you know, and that's huge. Well, I mean, Mitch Marner has, has taken been, another Mitch step. Mitch Marner has taken another. Like, just a ridiculous. Riley has taken another step. Riley's good. Anderson's been fantastic yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where, you again, you need a tremendous amount of depth yeah. in order to do that, and you need a lot of picks. And even that Anderson trade, you know, what they made with, um, with, with Anaheim, they traded a late first-round draft pick for him. The one thing I'll say about the, the Leafs, they're having trouble signing William Nylander. And the way Mitch Marner's left, the, the way that Mitch Marner's playing right now, it's going to be tough to sign him too. I think he like let's say right now is he not uh, leading the league in scoring? Isn't yeah. he up there? He's right up there. I mean, and like I think I think it starts with a ten, doesn't it? You got to like he is worth paying. Like he is one of the players. They're gonna pay him. They're gonna pay him, but no, it no might, doubt about that. Like, do they? How much do they want to pay him? Because yeah, you look at what Chicago did with two superstars. They got potentially Matthews three. is also. Up there, you know, yeah, so they, got, they already got Tavares at 11, right? Yeah, so I, I can see them giving the Matthews same is probably gonna at least you 11. Think, you think all three of them have take 11? I think all three could want 11. And I think that's really what that I think that's what's gonna it. happen, right? And that's that a lot of money invested in three players, three forwards, three forwards. And Morgan Riley has how many years left? Morgan Riley has about, I think, three years left, and it's about $6 million. Okay, so they still have that window open then. Yeah, the Morgan Riley contract. The thing is, they might lose Morgan Riley. I think, though, I think for the next few years they'll be okay. Yeah, but, like, I mean, later on. Yeah. And that's the guy that I'd jump all over. Oh, man, that that guy would be absolutely huge. Oh, man, that guy's insane. He would would be such a great get, but, again, you're you're probably dating, you know, dreaming if you think. I met Morgan Riley before. Um, I met him at the casino. Three more years at $5 million, Morgan (laughs) Riley. What in heaven? That's a steal. That's like a Bo Horvath contract. And he is just... But you know what? I really appreciate the way that they've managed the Leafs, the way they managed to happen. I think that's something that's really important for us to. I, I hope when you look at the Canucks and you're talking about the, you know down the line what the Canucks kind of situation is going to look like, I hope there's somebody out there that's at least projecting X dollars for Besser, Y dollars for Patterson. Sophomore slumps are good sometimes. Sometimes it, it can good. be a blessing. In disguise. Yeah, man. They're look, good. Look what happened like, with Nathan want. McKinnon before. And yeah, just, no. Lee yeah. McKinnon, what an amazing Jones. contract. Seth Morgan Jones Riley, too. like, not like... You need that. Money, you God. need that. You need that, like, amazing deal. Yeah. You know, because it's tough to go out there and be paying everybody. Or like a Bo Horvat where he just keeps him pro- uh, progressing. Another but he's not progressing contract. by, like, putting up 30 and then putting up 60. He's yeah. putting up 30, 40, 50, slowly. Yeah, he's been continuing right? to slowly chip away. slowly progressing. And get better better. I hope at the end of the day there is some thought, you know, with regards to our cap and, you know, where things are headed. And I hope then, you know, like one of the worst things that Jim Benning has done other than not trading for picks has been July 1st. If Jim Benning had just turned off his phone on July 1st, I think we'd all sleep The one thing I'll say about the the cap thing is the the TV deal on NBC is going to go. So if the cap, the cap, up, yeah. cap could go up with a new TV deal in the in the U.S. and yeah. it could go up by not. I'm not just talking a little bit. I'm talking significantly because that new deal, right? Yeah, that new deal is going to be huge. Yeah, and I could see like eight million dollar players being like a five million dollar player down the road, like relatively speaking, like, a, like in terms of the percentage of cap you're, you're yeah, referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like $8 million player on an $80 million cap yeah. is worth 10% of it. And he could be worth essentially what a $5 million player is So I think you're going to be seeing a lot more cap. bigger contracts. It's just, yeah. a, it's just what a, a, a growing sport does, right? Yeah. It, just, it just happens. So Yeah, it continues to grow. Yeah. I mean, even when we got out of the lockout, I think you know one of the largest deals was like $7 million a year. And 
now you look at it and you know that's yeah. virtually you know a 60 point guy is going to get that six, yeah. uh, you know seven million dollar contract mm-hmm. but uh, all right so as we're wrapping up this uh wonderful show that we've had here today we can't finish this show off without a little bit of tan beers take now can we no we can't let's get into this So, so um, I think we should change this, uh, the name of the show to SVT Talk. SVT? Yeah. Strictly for Tannen Talk. Because right, right now he is just incredible. He's been, in my opinion, on the road trip, on the three-game road trip, he was one of the better players on the ice every night. I, don't, I can't remember a game where I haven't noticed him. He has been, even though he's not putting up incredible numbers like he's got 12 points which is progression from last year he had 20 all last year and we're not even in december yet um like he's been noticeable every fucking game his consistency level has gone up he's playing more of a pest role almost like you see what he did with Dion enough you could even see what he did with brandon tanov against winnipeg not too long ago um he is he is coming along slowly but he is finally coming along and people like me and a lot of people, like maybe like that short list of people that were supporting Jake Vertanen before the Shotgun Jake campaign, it uh, like it's been incredible. Like how many people have just jumped on his wagon all of a sudden, yeah. right? Like, like before the season started, people were talking about is he like is he even gonna like make an impact? Is he gonna be that same inconsistent player? He doesn't have the IQ. He doesn't know how to pass the puck. He misses the net too much. Um, he doesn't go to the net hard enough. All that bullshit that they were talking about. Early in the season, he's almost answered almost every single one of those fucking questions. Can he be a pest? I think he. Could, I think he's showing he can. You even saw him in practice today, uh, trying to learn how to fight with Erica Branson. There's a, there's a photo <laughs> of them just trying to tussle. And last week we talked about how he might be a Cy Young kind of guy that might get 20 goals 20 and only five goals, assists. Yeah. Well, he put up two two more assists uh, on the road trip, Playmaking and time. he's got four assists and he's got eight goals now. So he's he's trying to. Uh, getting getting some points uh, was passing the puck. His IQ level has gone higher, and you could deny it or not. And uh, pe- there's a lot of people that will just, you know, just uh, not admit that they're wrong. But it has gone higher, and right now, 20 points is gonna be out of the way by the end of December. It's gonna be gone. Like he's already gonna reach his career high by the end of December. Now, we gotta start thinking about where you want to slot him in the lineup. Yeah, because. This is the first year in a long time where I haven't been pissed off where he plays. I, I love him in the third line role. Yeah. I love him when he could play with Pedersen. You know, obviously, if we Move play, up and you know, if have he, a couple shifts there. Yeah. If he moves up in the lineup yeah. with Pedersen, it's a benefit for him. Yeah. But the one thing I've, I've noticed with Jake, he could drive offense. Not like, like Pedersen, Pedersen or Horvat or Besser, but he could drive offense on a third line level. By himself, he's playing with Granlin. He uh, he set up Adam Goddett for his first fucking NHL goal. Thank God, Goddett, he finally Fine. got a goal, man. Yeah. I was cheering for you, and I was starting to almost put you in the Brendan Gaunt conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, I am so happy <laughs> that it was from Jake Vertanen. Yeah. And the one thing I've learned about Jake, you know, when uh, when players would score their first goal, and the first guy that would get that puck if he was on the ice was, do you remember? 
Yeah, it's it's always going to be the guy. Who, no, in 2011, oh, like I mean, back in the day, like Burroughs. It was Burroughs. Yeah, it was Burroughs. And the one thing Burroughs yeah. and Vertanen had, like when Vertanen was here in his rookie year, Burroughs was taking him under his wing. Yeah. And I guarantee you, Burroughs taught him a little bit of things about the market, told him uh, how to like treat your teammates, younger teammates, and everything. And he got that puck for Adam Gaudet. And you heard him after the game. He's like, uh, the ref is like, I'll get the puck. And Jake couldn't get the puck out of the net. And he's like, no, I got it. And that's almost something that I think Burroughs, like, installed in his head. Like, you know, like, as a teammate, like that, those are the kind of things that, you know, that teammates love, other teammates love. And I can't wait to see that this guy just progress all season long. Well, here's to Jake Vertanen. We want to see more shotgun Jakes happen throughout the rest of the year. All right, thanks for that's our show. Thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, I just want to give a big shout out to Anson Carter. Thank you so much, Anson Carter, for making time for us. Uh, big shout out to our producers, Ryan Lahal, Raja Shergal. Super duper hardworking guys. We get this opportunity to come here and talk hockey, talk Canucks. These guys are the behind the scenes, working their butts off. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for everybody listening. That's a wrap.